Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's game week nine, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable guys i am joined by the og king of bank it or burn it uh jake jackman jake we're not in bank it or burn it season yet um we're going to get to that soon enough but it's going to be another episode where i'm going to be giving what i think is the third iteration of tad's top five power rankings um i think you've been on one of those before haven't you uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have. I have been. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And I, I know I nailed it last time because I've, I've never gotten a top five power ranking or any sort of power rankings wrong. I'm quite bullish about them, but we'll get to that um, a bit later on in the podcast. I mean, it's been international break, and for some teams, it's been a lot longer than the international break since they played. Um, but we start off the Premier League weekend with quite a banger and probably the game of the weekend um, and two teams that will certainly be vying for a spot on Tad's top five. Um, we start with Arsenal versus Tottenham. Is is this the perfect way to sort of dust off the international break, Russ? Do, do you watch much of international uh, football? Um, not as much as, not as, much as um, other people. I watch the England games that but that that's, that was about it. This international break, I think, it's just a bit of football fatigue. Um, in the qualifying season, I'd maybe watch more. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just need a little bit of a break as much as the players at this point. Yeah, I'm 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 similar to you, probably a bit more distance than distanced than you because I I barely if if you see me watching an international game, it there must be some some special reason. Either there was literally nothing else I could watch. Oh, there's some reason I'm watching. I, I watch tournament international football because I suppose that's fun. Um, but I, I, yeah, I use it as a time to have a break from, from all things football and, you know, focus on other things in life. But yeah, I think Arsenal versus, uh, Tottenham is, is a great way to kind of get back into Premier League football. And I think 
heading into October, this is sort of the part of the season where teams need to start building, you know, form and consistency. Um, at the beginning of the season, you're just trying to get points onto the board. But I think now it's going to come into the forefront more, the style of play that teams have and whether or not that can drive them through this uh, busy period of, of games coming up before, obviously, the World Cup uh, puts the Premier League on a bit of a break. But what are your thoughts heading into this Arsenal versus Tottenham game? Two teams, as I said, vying to be in Tad's top five. Two teams that are in the top five of the Premier League at the moment. Um, it's at the Emirates. Does does that sway things sort of towards Arsenal or Spurs in either way? Um, I know from my perspective, I think Spurs, you know, under Conte like to play on the counter-attack. And if they're away from home, it's easier to do that, I would imagine. Yes, it, 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 you'd probably say it favours Arsenal, I think, because um, I don't think that I think they've got a really good record at home in the North London derby. I think I think they've won. Uh, they've only lost once in in sort of like the last. I think it might be as, as many as like sort of twenty twenty five meetings. They've got a really good record um, at home um, against Tottenham. So uh, I think they've won the last two uh, North London derbies as well at home. Um, slowly just. Bring it up on stats here because I don't want to be proven incorrect, but um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they, that Arsenal have got a, a really good record at home in the, in the North London Derby. I think it was last year that it was sort of spelt the the end of, or the sort of the beginning of the end for Nuno. We had Smith Rowe and Saka playing really well in that game. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd sort of expect Arsenal to be the the, the favourites, or although I wouldn't, you know, it's probably the the first time that the two teams are playing against each other where. They're both sort of competing at the very top end of the league, and it's too soon to say if either one of them have the the capability of going on to to um, win the league or, or even challenge for the league. But they're both well placed, and they both start the season well. Um, there we go. Here's here, here is the stat: uh, Arsenal already lost one of their last twenty five, uh, twenty nine home North London derbies in the league, and are unbeaten in the in their last eleven. So yeah, they're pretty strong numbers. Um, considering you know for for a period Tottenham were, were finishing above Arsenal every season, so even in the downtime, Tottenham found it hard going to to Arsenal. So um, there's only so much you can read into to historical stats, but I think in a game like this, it, it they can be quite telling. So um, yeah, I'd give Arsenal the the, the slight favourites, but Tottenham have been good under Conte, haven't lost yet in the league. Um, so Arsenal will be looking to take that sort of un, unbeaten record. Um, they have been. Sort of be getting good results, but I've yet to sort of see the performance level you'd expect from a team that that were unbeaten and third in the league. I've, I've, I haven't seen all of their games, but the games I have seen, they they never sort of wow, or you never sort of leap, finish watching them and think, oh, they played really well there. So, sort of, you see good individual displays, you can see they're solid, you can see they're well drilled, but I've yet to sort of see that that complete performance. So. You could even say that maybe we're seeing that from Arsenal and not from Tottenham. So does that mean that Tottenham have more in the tank and, and are going to grow into a better team than, than over the course of the season and you know sort of reach a level that Arsenal can't reach? Maybe, um, but for this game, you'd have to say Arsenal were, were the slight favourites given the historical record and their performances so far this season. I think they've been playing better than Tottenham, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd give them the slight favourites. I'm sort of expecting them to win this one. Yeah, certainly when it comes to um, results on the field, Spurs do have do boast that you know undefeated record this season. But the manner in which they've got some of those wins hasn't been all too impressive for me. But 
it's to be expected in my opinion with Conte Ball is it's a lot more about being effective than necessarily being pretty in in the way you go about doing it. Um, and this is the part of the season where maybe Spurs might start to drop some points because you know the they're not fully flowing in, in their functionality. I'm I'm finding I, I think uh, some of those games have been a bit fortunate. At the beginning of the season, I think you can get away with that. It's just about getting the points on the board. But we're heading into that type of part of the season where you need to be in a good momentum in terms of um, style of play and executing everything in the right way. And I'm, and I'm interested to see how they sort of progress. But in this game, um, I mean, you mentioned the 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 bullish record that Arsenal have in this fixture. I just think we saw sort of um, uh, a pattern of how to beat Arsenal when Man United played Arsenal, um, where United played sort of went back to that Oli ball of counter-attack football. That's going to be perfect for Spurs. They, they're going to happily give Arsenal all of the ball in this game um, and literally get the ball to Kane as quickly as possible and get the runners of, you know, the Sons, the Richarlison's, um, running off of him and, and trying to get Arsenal on the counter-attack. I think this might be one of the rare occasions where Spurs do get a, you know, a win at the Emirates. I'm going with a 2-1 Spurs win. Yeah, that is surprising. It's good that we've sort of um, gone against each other in the first game. Maybe that's going to make for an interesting episode. But um, yeah, I, I did actually put uh, my prediction as 1-1 in, in the preview. I did for EPL Index earlier. So, um, I don't know why I think Arsenal are now going to win, but I'm allowed to change my mind and we'll go 2-1 to Arsenal. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so at least we, we, we differed on that one. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with all of my top five picks because, I mean, they're going to be perfect. But um, let's move on to Bournemouth versus Brentford. Now, I mean, change at Bournemouth. Um, it's seen some decent results. I mean, they've... They've not lost in their last three games, Jake. Uh, so, you know, they're probably feeling justified in getting rid of uh, Scotty Parker. Um, I know, you know, it was quite a lot that went into why he 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 was released, not just on the field stuff, but maybe some off the field stuff as well. They're coming up against a Brentford side who obviously before the international break had that 3-0 loss to Arsenal. Does that performance sway sort of your your thought process heading into this game? Because it did for me. I mean, Brentford, I thought, were going to give Arsenal a tougher task than they ended up giving them. Um, and it it made that, you know, that second season syndrome kind of start to creep in for me with Brentford. And it's certainly a team I'm going to be keeping a, a really close eye on to see if it was just one of those poor performances against Arsenal or if it is maybe something that's starting to creep into their team how did you see this game, you know, looking at it maybe before the, the that Arsenal game and then now heading into it after the international break? Um, maybe Bournemouth had had more time to kind of get used to the idea of Parker not being there. And then Brentford at least um, got a couple of days to shake off that Arsenal result. But I suppose maybe you don't want to head into an international break after a loss. It kind of stings a little bit more. Um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts um, about this game before the Arsenal game and then maybe after the Arsenal game? Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been impressed with 
Brentford this season. I think they've had a couple of poor poor performances, but I don't think the Arsenal game was was that bad. I think Arsenal played really well, and it, I think it would have been difficult for for most teams on that day. Um, see, so yeah, I wouldn't put too much into that personally. Um, I think the difficulty of this one is you don't know quite how Bournemouth are going to set up because obviously they did well, very well against us uh, in the game before the international break. That was setting up deep, um, giving up all the ball, sort of trying to counter, although they didn't really have many chances aside from their goal. I'm just sort of trying to frustrate the opposition. It's one thing doing that away to Newcastle. Uh, it's another thing doing it at home to Brentford. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go about this one. If, if they go for the same approach, I think they've got quite a good chance of frustrating Brentford and getting a result. But I feel like they're going to try and be a little bit more um, aggressive, a little bit more progressive. And I think that's probably going to lead to Brentford winning the game because they've got better players. They've got a goal scorer in even Tony, who is a level above what Bournemouth have. I know some people think Dominic Solanke's doing better than he is. I think he's he's definitely sort of got the makers of a Premier League striker, but we've not seen it yet on a on a consistent level. Um, and I just don't see the creativity there really in Bournemouth. And I don't think they've got the players to sort of step out and play Brentford. And if and if they do try to be a little bit more progressive, Brentford are so good at picking off um, spaces and 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 countering quickly. Um, I just think that if this was at Brentford. I'd have a little bit more faith in Bournemouth, but at home, I just think they, they're going to try and be play too much football for their own good, and I think it's going to lead to a Brentford win. So I'm going to go two 0 to Brentford on this one, um, and I think they'll they'll get back to winning ways. Interesting stuff. Yeah, look, I've I've gone for a Brentford win as well, but I've gone for a maybe more modest one nil win for Brentford in this one. I mean, most of the reasons that you've mentioned, the fact that Bournemouth are at home and maybe there's going to be an emphasis for them to to be a bit more offensive. Um, I, th- I think Brentford will have enough to handle them and then get the odd goal um, and see that game off. Let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Chelsea because this is a game that I'm very, very interested in. Um, obviously, Graham Potter is now the manager at Chelsea and this is going to be his first Premier League game, if I'm not mistaken. He comes up against uh, a Crystal Palace side who, to me, I mean, we've mentioned the likes of Spurs where they've gotten the results, but maybe the performances haven't been great. Crystal Palace have kind of been the other way around for me. I think some of their performances have been really good, uh, but they've not always ended up on the right side of, you know, of, of the results. I see a lot of draws in there for them um, so far this season. And, do you start to then wonder, you know, at what point are they going to be able to start turning these, you know, draws and losses maybe into um, more points going to the season? Or is it a matter of it's a tough game against the Chelsea side? We know it's at home, um, but let's just go and try and give a good performance and see what happens in that game. Yeah, it's a difficult one to predict. Obviously, Palace haven't played a football match in, in must be about a month now. It's been such a long time for them. Um, so, a lot of unpredictability there. It's very similar for Graham Potter and Chelsea. We don't really know how they're going to set up under him. They haven't played much football. Um, so, yeah, it's a really difficult game to call. There's a lot of unknowns to both teams. I think the game, bef- uh, the last game Palace played was against Newcastle. So, it's another team. It's another game I watched and, and could take them away from. And Newcastle were much a better team in that game. Palace really didn't offer that much at all and they conceded several quite big chances and they were lucky so 
you know, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the results and think, oh, they need to start turning draws into wins. But they were fortunate to get a couple of those draws, I think, uh, especially the last one. Um, so maybe it, it's not as great for Palace as people think. They've got a good fixture run coming up after Chelsea. So they'll, they'll be probably looking to climb the table then. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be a tough game for Chelsea. It's always a tough place to go. Um, but yeah, I'm, just, I'm not convinced about either of these two teams at the moment. Um, I think still have doubts about Vieira as a manager. Uh, he had a great first season, but you know, to be considered a good, reliable manager, you need to do it for longer than one season. We haven't seen that from him yet. Um, there's been some good, good showings so far this season, but there's been some poor ones as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's really difficult, and you can't really, you don't really know what's going to happen with Chelsea and Greg Potter. Far too soon to draw any conclusions there. We've not really seen anything. You know, they had the Champions League game that was, that was days after he took charge. It was, you know, you bet he wouldn't have got much out into the players by that point. But he's, he's had the break, um, some of it enforced, so he would have had, been working with the players, even the international ones, before um, they went away on international duty. So we should see a little bit more from them, and, and we should be able to have a few more sort of talking points about how Graham Potter's going to going to take the team forward. Um, I probably lean towards Chelsea I just feel like that sort of I'd, I'd imagine there'll be some some energy there I think Graham Potter's the type of coach that players will buy in too quickly so I think we'll see see a good performance from Chelsea and yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for a 1-0 Chelsea I think it's gonna be tight I think Paris are a, a team that sort of play a lot despite the way they play they're quite a, they try to be attacking and play kind of attacking football but they are quite the games do seem to be low scoring so I'm gonna go for a 1-0 Chelsea and I think that Graham Potter will win his first uh, league game in charge. Yeah, look, um, it's it's difficult to predict, you know, how the game's going to go. As you've mentioned, we're not really sure what to fully expect from from Chelsea, and I don't think we're going to see, you know, what Chelsea will end up becoming under Potter. Certainly, this early into his campaign, there, um. I reckon I reckon it's going to be a, a, a sort of a scrappy 1-1 draw. Um, we've mentioned that Vieira's Crystal Palace haven't started the season great. Um, some flashes in and around there um, in, in performances. I think Chelsea's squad have enough to sort of battle um, Crystal Palace in this game. I'm interested to see if uh, Gallagher gets, uh, gets the nod in this game or not. But I think this is going to be an interesting battle in midfield. Um, and I can see the team sort of cancelling each other out and it ends up being a 1-1 draw. Um, but yeah, well, it's one to look out for. One I'm interested to see because um, I want to get an idea of what Potter's going to bring against a Vieira side that needs a result, even though maybe it's not you know desperately needing the result right now. I think they're going to be fine you know, over the course of the season, but they do need to start getting some points on the board. We'll see whether or not the game pans out that way in, in, in the aggression that Crystal Palace show. But uh, there's certainly been one team that has shown surprise aggression so far this season. Uh, Fulham, they've been one of the surprise teams of the seasons. Um, they come up against, obviously, your beloved Newcastle. Now, before the season started, as a Newcastle fan, you're looking at the, the fixture list, you're thinking, okay, just after the first international break, we've got Fulham away. This should be, you know, an, a nice building platform to go into the busy part of the season. Now, are you are you looking at that game a little bit differently with how Fulham have performed or, you know, 
has their first stint in the Premier, back in the Premier League kind of given you um, reason for more thought of what Fulham could be this season. I mean, they were one of the teams that were one of the favourites to get relegated this season, but they're putting up a fight so far. And if you look at the Premier League table at the moment, they're currently in sixth place with 11 points from their seven games. Um, and then obviously Newcastle come into this game off of sort of a, a winless spell at the moment. Um, some of those performances, I think, deserved more than, you know, draws or losses. I'm looking at that Liverpool game. Um, I think you guys were rather unlucky in that one. Um, and then obviously you guys have had a few injuries to very, very key players. Um, which I think has uh, um, affected some of the performances and and maybe has led to Newcastle being judged a bit harshly so far to start the season. But what what are your thoughts on Fulham versus Newcastle? Um, yeah, I'll start off by saying I think Newcastle are going to win um, <laughs> because there's, there's a few reasons. One, I, I mean, if you look at any of the sort of performance indicator stats out there, Newcastle are sort of performing as a top eight team. Uh, haven't had the wins to show for it, but if you look at sort of shots like up there, expected goals created, they're up there. They're not conceding many chances. Uh, their territory, I think they've got one of the sort of best field total maps uh, with a lot of the the Newcastle games being spent in the, the sort of the middle and the the opposition third as opposed to our own third. It shows that we're and we're dominating possession in a lot of games. Everything is pointing in the right direction. It's just we're not getting the wins, um, and there's reasons for that. You know, injuries. We had we had a sort of a dodgy VAR call against Palace. We you know, bad luck against Liverpool. The way that sort of shook out. Maybe we didn't deserve to win that one, but I think it was it probably deserved a point based on the way the game played. Um, the City game to take a two goal lead in that one and to not see it free. has been a lot of things going on. Um, so the Bournemouth performance wasn't great before the international break, but. Yeah, on the whole, we've been very good. Um, and to only have one win is, is a little bit unfortunate. But we're, we're playing a lot better than we were in the second half of last season where we were winning every week. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's football, it's a low-margin game. And you do need a little bit of luck to, to sort of get that, get your performances turning into results. But 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 what performances do is they sort of stack the deck in your favour. Um, if we keep playing like this, and we keep having more shots in your position. We keep dominating the ball. We keep having the ball in in their their territory as a side to ours. That's going to lead to Newcastle winning more matches than they lose. That's just you know might over over a long period of time. So yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting to go to Fulham and get three points. I think we're going to have Callum Wilson back, which is a massive plus. Um, we're going to have uh, Bruno Guimaraes should be fit to start, which is good. Um, and yeah, I just think that. Um, we're in a good place. There's still a lot of confidence going around. We, we're, we're still getting better under Eddie Howe and, it, and all the performance, all, everything you could look at to sort of show that. But you can, if you watched all the Newcastle matches this season, you'd see it with your own eyes. If you look at the stats, it shows it there. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to be positive about Newcastle. Um, and if we move to Fulham, if it, if it sounds like I'm not really paying Fulham much respect to it, the big reason I think that Newcastle are going to beat Fulham this weekend is because they are missing their defensive midfielder, Paulinha, who has been one of their best players this season. And I don't think they've got anybody to come in of any similar quality. And if you look at where Newcastle are strong, it's in the midfield positions. So I think that that is the main reason Newcastle will win this game. I will say 2-1, I can see Mitrovic scoring, maybe even getting the opener to, to sort of put a cat amongst the pigeons because he's obviously got a point to prove against Newcastle. But I think that over the course of the game, 
Newcastle are, uh, are a better team than Fulham. Uh, it's we've got better players. They're missing perhaps the most important player. I mean, aside from Mitrovic, you'd say those two were the most important players. They're missing one of them, and we've seen Newcastle as a sort of slight drop off when we've been missing our best players. I think for Fulham, missing either Mitrovic or Paulinho is such a big drop off for them because they're two players of of top top half, maybe even top eight quality. I don't think they have many others like that. Um, and I think over the course of the season, we'll see Fulham slowly drop down the league table. I don't think they'll go down the season, but they're definitely going to be in the bottom bottom half. I just don't think they've got quite the same quality as others. But yeah, to be missing one of those players is huge for Fulham. Uh, and that's the main reason I think we'll win. So I think see one to Newcastle. 2-1 to Newcastle. Yeah, look, that's a fair shout. And especially um, with regards to that... Um... That midfield battle, we know that uh, Polina is going to be suspended for this game as well, which I think will be a massive miss for Fulham. He's looked really good for them to start the season. Um, and Newcastle, uh, I mean, you guys are expecting a few players back. Um, St. Maximan has been teasing us for the last two or three weeks. Um, maybe it's a bit ambitious to have thought he would have come back um you know, sooner than the international break. But is he going to be fine? Him, the likes of uh, Alexander Isaac, uh, Bruno, Gimaresh, are, are we expecting sort of a, a more recognised Newcastle side heading into this game? Um, I think Wilson will be back. I think that uh, Gimaresh should start from what, what, what I can glean of the situation. It sounds like... Uh, Isaac's going to be missing for a couple of weeks, which is unfortunate. Um, and it, it, it's a St. Maximin's a doubt, but if I think if we see St. Maximin, it'll be from the bench. I don't think they'll want to push him, um, because of the type of player he is. He, 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 last year, I think he played more minutes than any other player in the, in the squad. So he's obviously, he's not quite as injury prone as people think, but when he does get an injury, you do really need to be cautious of him because of the way he plays. He's explosive. Um, he, he runs the ball a lot and he, he's prone to sort of picking up, um, Injuries immediately after coming back, so we've got to be really careful with him. So, and if he does play, I could could imagine getting sort of like 10 15 minutes from the bench. But I, I'd expect to see Wilson and, and, and Bruno play, and uh, I think those two playing it is probably enough for us to, to win the game. Interesting stuff, yeah. Look, from my perspective, I do think, yeah, as you said, the Mitrovic goal almost seems inevitable at this point in time. So I'm also going to give Fulham the one. Um, but I think Newcastle score three in this one. I, I think they kind of move away from Fulham a bit later into the game because of that midfield battle. I do think you guys are going to control things in there and be able to sort of stifle um, the attacking presence of of Fulham. And, you know, I'm thinking the likes of Sven Botman are going to prefer playing against a Mitrovic type than maybe necessarily some of the faster, a lot of movement type strikers this season. So I, I think you guys are set up defensively quite well to to handle Mitrovic than some of the other teams in the Premier League. Um, let's move on to Liverpool versus Brighton. It's a very tricky fixture for Liverpool. It would have been, I think, a lot trickier if Graham Potter was still in charge at Brighton because Brighton have started the season off really, really well. I mean, Fulham has started well, Brighton has started well, and we saw Fulham gave Liverpool all sorts of trouble <laughs> in their game um, earlier in the season. And I was expecting the same from Brighton, especially a Graham Potter Brighton. But Brighton have a new manager in charge, and 
you know, he's coming from pretty much having won the the league in Ukraine. I, I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to take the title if it wasn't that the season got, you know, postponed. Um, so Brighton have done well, as they've done well with their recruitment for players. I think they've done well for their recruitment in a manager coming in um, against the Liverpool side who sort of, you know, one of those an- wounded animals that's got their backs against the wall that need a reaction. They're playing at home. There's no excuse, in my opinion, for Liverpool not to win this game, but I expect Brighton to give them all sorts of problems, regardless of who the manager is, purely because I think the sister, the overall system of the club at Brighton seems to be in unison. Um, what can we expect from, maybe let's focus on what we can expect from a Liverpool side that has been wounded and needs a reaction. Also one of those sides that haven't played in about a month um, against a team that they don't really know what to expect of. There's not going to be much tape that they can look at to to identify how they're going to break down this Brighton team facing, you know, a team with a new manager in, in charge. Is this a, is this a trap game for Liverpool? Um, it's a tough. It's, it's a it's a difficult one. It's sort of like going back to Chelsea. You don't know what to expect. Um, I think Roberto De Zerbi is is a really exciting coach. Um, I watch a lot of his Sassuolo team, and just because they were one of the greatest teams to watch in Europe at that time, maybe not. You know, they weren't they weren't you know challenging for league titles, but they were just so fun to watch. They were pressing high up the pitch. They were chance at both ends. They had so many good young players. Um, so yeah, I would expect Brighton games to become. Sort of like a must-watch, maybe not to start with, but as as he as he grows into the job and, and sort of develops on on the training pitch, I think they're going to be really good to watch because he, he only knows how to play football one way, and you know he, he's sort of like very close to Pep Guardiola, but it's very different Pep Guardiola. He's very much a he's sort of he's sort of got more cloth about him in a way, in the way that he wants his team to press and the high energy, um, and there's a little bit of pep in the way that his team sort of look to look to probe your position open but they're just so dynamic and so good to watch um at least the Sassuolo team I didn't see much of a Shakhtar team but um yeah I'm excited to see how it goes at Brighton I think it's a really good appointment um and want to get excited about but yeah but for Liverpool I think the break was probably a good thing I think some of those players looked more mentally fatigued than anything and to have that break was probably good um even though some did go away internationally I think that to sort of get that win in the Champions League and then go on this break and then sort of come back, I think is really beneficial. Um, I think we'll see more energy to Liverpool. We'll see key players back in the team as well. Um, sort of, sort of a, a new start for Liverpool, really. After, because as, as Klopp said a couple of times, they don't really want. You know, it's, it's not bad to lose rhythm if the rhythm you had was terrible, which, which is what they did have. Um, being a home game probably means Liverpool are going to win this one. I can't. I think. I'm fully expecting Liverpool to have a really good period now between now and uh, the World Cup. I think it's going to start with a really confident performance here. Um, maybe we'll see a slight change in Brighton, um, and there'll be teething problems with that when they when they change into this sort of more high energy, high pressing um, sort of fluid style. There'll be gaps, and the last team you want to leave gaps against is Liverpool. So I think that they will see quite comfortable Liverpool win here. Um, I'll say 3-1. I think Brighton will get a goal. Uh, and I think it'll be a really good game to watch, but I just think there'll be early season problems for, for Brighton. I think that Liverpool will come back with a, with a real sense of 
injustice might be the wrong word because nothing's gone against them, but just sort of like a feeling of we should be a lot better than we we have been. We've got a point to prove. We're going to go out and do it. And I can see that this weekend. I think Liverpool win 3-1, but I think it's going to be a great game to watch. And I think we'll see a couple of uh, Liverpool players come back into form. I'd, I'd expect Trent to have a really good game, for example, after sort of the the conversations about him over the international break. I think he's going to come back really wanting to do well with Liverpool. And uh, yeah, I'd expect him to have a good game. Yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of pissed off Trent um, personally because that seems to be when he plays a lot better. It seemed to start off the season he he was kind of just coasting. Um, you know, maybe it was a, an over self belief that you know what, um, I'm I'm good enough to coast through these games and then I'll start focusing maybe at the business end of the season. But hopefully these questions about his England spot re-motivate him to, you know, sort of get a bit more aggressive. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's not a personal dig at him. It's just the way I've seen him playing this season doesn't seem like he has that, um, that, that, that aggression. And that's been similar of many Liverpool players so far this season. You could point at pretty much almost everyone in the team and say they haven't shown that aggression that we've been used to seeing from them. Um, I think the break, as you said, has been good for them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't push too hard to have their fixture go on. And then it helped Chelsea probably didn't push hard to have that fixture go as well, uh, considering that a new manager coming in. So it kind of worked out for both teams. Um, I think it's a good time to play Brighton. Before Graham Potter had left Brighton, I was probably looking at a draw in this game, maybe a 1-1. But yeah, I think the teething problems are going to be the issue for Brighton. Just trying to implement um, some of the new stuff that they're going to to be given, the new instructions, I think is going to allow Liverpool to pick up some some gaps and spaces and, and be able to execute. I've gone for a 2-0 Liverpool win. I think the, one of the interesting things for Brighton is going to be figuring out how to get the strikers going in a way that Graham Potter seemed to get the team going without needing a true number nine up front. Like he could get away with some players that still good, still solid, but I think other teams would struggle to have those players up front. Um, Yeah. Liverpool will see what they, what, what they do the rest of the season. To me, I think Klopp kind of likes being the underdog. Um, So I'm assuming this would have this time, um, during the break would have been a time where he would have been saying to the players, look, everyone's written us off, you know, that, that type of speech and, and trying to get the players to buy into that underdog story and, and, and see if he can rejuvenate the club. But I, I don't think it was anything to, to panic too much about. Maybe in terms of, um, you know, uh, maybe in terms of what people expected this Liverpool team to do, um, but hey, the season isn't over yet. It's just begun. Um, as bad a start as Liverpool have had this season, and and you know it's sort of been written as 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 such a bad a start. Um, they've got a game in hand on Arsenal, who are in first place. If you know, and games in hand, you they're not guaranteed that you're going to win them. But they're currently nine points behind Arsenal with a game in hand. I mean, it it's doable. To, to make that gap up. And we've seen Liverpool make a similar gap up to Manchester City or a bigger gap than that to Manchester City last season. Didn't quite get it over the line. But yeah, I don't think they'll be panicking at Liverpool, but they definitely need a change. And if you look down the road a little bit at Liverpool's next couple of fixtures, 
it's a club to look look out for because I think their fixtures are quite difficult um, over the next couple of games because they have this Brighton game, which to me is a must win considering what's coming up and this being a home game because they then travel to the Emirates against Arsenal um, and we've seen the form that Arsenal have been in this season. Then after that Arsenal game, they have to travel. I mean, they, they've got the home game against Manchester City <laughs> and then after Manchester City, They've got West Ham, um, who would be hoping, obviously, to to kind of rejuvenate um, their season. But we'll get to them a bit later on. But in between all of that is Champions League games that they need to navigate and then Carabao Cup games that they need to navigate. So it will be interesting to see how Liverpool sort of navigate this busy period. But it has to start with a win in this game. Um, yeah, I, I I think they, they get a 2-0 win and they're sort of look to get momentum from it moving forward but jake let's take a bit of a break here and then we're going to come back with tad's top five it's the third iteration of tad's top five and we all know that you know my top five lists are pretty renowned for being pretty bang on and i'm i have all the confidence in the world that you're going to agree 100 percent with uh with the list so guys do um come back after the break And we are back, Jake. We are ready for Tad's top five. Um, are you ready for Tad's top five? Yeah, I'm excited to to, to hear Tad's top five and, and see how many <laughs> I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> Look, well, this is a top five power ranking of the best five teams at the moment. Um, it's obviously adjusted for things, you know, you know, strength of schedule, for example, gets taken into consideration. The margin of the wins that teams have has been taken into consideration. Also the style of play has been taken into consideration as well. Like we, you know, if, if, if you're going to win every game one nil in the 90th minute, I guess some fans like that. Um, I, I don't know if I would, if my heart could take that every single week, but yeah, so, so a lot has gone into this. I'm not just looking at who's, you know, what's one to one to five in the premier league table and sort of taking that. No, it's, it's over a certain period of time. Um, a whole bunch of factors that get taken into account. And it's one of those things with power rankings, whenever you do power rankings, is you have to caveat with the fact that I'm not saying this is, you know, this is how the teams are going to finish the season. I'm saying at this point in time, on this date, on 29 September 2022, these are my power rankings of the top five teams in the league the hottest five teams in the league at the moment and we will start with the team that is in fifth place on the third iteration of tad's top five now we've just spoken about this team and no it's not liverpool liverpool i can't actually remember the last time liverpool were in tad's top five and maybe it's just to do with the timing of things um but i was looking back i think it was january 2020 Either twenty, yeah, I think January twenty twenty one. So it's been a while since we've done Tad's top five, but that was a tumultuous time for Liverpool. And then I think they were coming off the back of some horrid results, and they were they would have been in Tad's not top five or Tad's bottom five. Um, so you know, it's not Liverpool. They're not in Tad's top five. They're not close to it. It's actually the team they're playing this weekend. It's Brighton. Brighton on Tad's top five now. Brighton are in the top four in the Premier League at the moment, heading into the season. 
if anyone had asked, you know, where are you expecting Brighton to be? Sort of, you know, good, solid mid-table team, hoping to surprise some people every now and then. But this is a team that I think has been really impressive this season. They've they've only lost one game this season, but not just the fact that they've only lost one game. They've gone and won four games. So it's not like they've got a whole bunch of draws in there. They're going and they're winning games. They've got 11 goals. They've only conceded five. Is there a team in the Premier League that's only conceded five goals? No, there isn't. Brighton's the only team that's conceded five goals. So they, they've conceded the least amount of goals this season. Um, and they've been really, really impressive to watch. The the only caveat for them, obviously, the, the, the sad thing for them was they went and then lost Graham Potter. I don't think they begrudge him taking this opportunity to take the Chelsea job. But I do, uh, you know, you do kind of feel for them because it's always going to be a what could have been season with Graham Potter, with them, with the way they've started. But yeah, so Brighton are in fifth place in Tad's top five. The team that takes number four is Arsenal. That's right. The team that is top of the Premier League is only fourth on Tad's top five. And I know some people might give a little bit of pushback, but let me explain myself. Go and look at the teams that Arsenal played. And if you don't even, you know, if if you want to push back further on that, go and listen to, you know, some of the podcasts that I did before the season started, where I even told you guys, I expect Arsenal to be either top of the league or second. At at worst, I predicted they would be third on the Premier League table just because of the fixture list that they had to start the season. I can't put them any higher than fourth because of the fixture list that they've had. I, I think it's been very favorable. Um, but credit to Arsenal. You can only beat the teams that are put in front of you and they've gone and beaten every single one of them except for Man United. That's where kind of the pushback and, and the breaks um, were, were slammed. It was almost a handbrake that was put up when Arsenal were trying to climb Tad's top five. And that's to do with the fact that we finally got the, um, a team put in front of them that we thought could give them issues. And that's exactly what happened. They lost the game. They they, they looked very lost, in my opinion, at times. Um, a little naive. In, in, in certain times, you knew what United were going to do in that game. And still Arsenal, with all the momentum, with all the improvements they've made this season, they still couldn't stop them. So that disappointed me quite a bit. And we're going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle um, Tottenham at, at the Emirates. Because I think, if they think Man United did that style of football well, Tottenham are going to do it five times better, in my opinion, in terms of sitting back and trying to break on them. So yeah, they're only fourth on my top five. So maybe people are starting to rack their brains and think, okay, which teams are slightly higher? Now, between fourth and third, it it was close. It was very close in terms of which order these teams would have come into it. But the team in third is the team that is coming to the Emirates and I think is going to cause an upset, especially based on the record that Jake has mentioned on this podcast that Arsenal have at the Emirates it's Tottenham Hotspurs now they're one of the two teams that are still undefeated this season haven't lost a game in the Premier League yet hasn't been great but it's been effective and the thing for me is that's Conte football Conte football is about getting results turning the ship around of a team that used to get clumsy unforced error games that led to them dropping points that's not really been the case this season I think he's 
kind of building something here at Spurs and it's been quite interesting to watch. Um, they've got the 18 goals. I think that's obviously flattered quite a little bit by that 6-2 win over, over Leicester. But I'm looking at some of the games that they had. They had the back-to-back um, London derbies, obviously had the draw 1-1 against West Ham and then went on to beat Fulham, who I think is a team that has been shocking people so far this season. Yeah, but as I said, between Spurs and Arsenal, that's maybe the one place I'd give you guys leeway of which order you want to put them in. But yeah, Spurs are currently in third place on Tad's top five. In second place is the aforementioned Fulham. I think they are one of the hardest teams in the Premier League, the second hardest team in the Premier League, because every single one of you, unless you're a Fulham fan, I don't care. I bet you all predicted that they would be struggling in the Premier League. They've done it before. They're a yo-yo club. Them and Norwich sort of pass the baton on to each other every single season about who's going to go into the Premier League the next year. They're not, I heard a rumor, don't quote me on this, but they're not allowed to be in the Premier League at the same time. That, that, that seems to be the way those two teams have been going. But Fulham seems to be bucking that so far this season. Some impressive wins so far this season. Some impressive performances. We mentioned the Liverpool performance. They beat the Brighton team that was, you know, pulling up trees earlier in the season. And obviously they got that 3-2 win over Nottingham Forest. A tricky game that could have gone pear-shaped for them, I thought. But they showed that spirit. They were able to claw that game out and, and get a victory. They got a tough game against Newcastle. But I think they are number two on my power rankings because it's the surprise factor. No one expected them to be this high in the Premier League this season. They're in a European spot at the moment in sixth place. And long may it continue. I like this type of Fulham. I like the fight that they're showing. And I think it's credit to uh, Silva. I'm, I'm happy that he's getting this moment to sort of correct some of the narratives that went, you know, against him in, in, in his last tenure in the Premier League. I thought he was harshly done by there. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where Fulham are second on Tad's top five, which means undoubtedly the team that is first on the power rankings. They're the inevitable team. They're the team that looks unstoppable. Um, it's Manchester City. Now look, we saw the game against Newcastle where they were looking shaky, but that game sort of summed up Man City to me, where even when they look down and out, even when they look like they're not playing at their best, they just pull it out of the bag, man. Somehow they just pull it out of the bag. And then they've added Erling Haaland. I mean, that that's just a cheat code in itself. But yeah, we should have stopped Man City early. Some of those, you know, those two draws that they got they should have lost those games and sort of we could have tried to rein them in. But I think they're just going to go and steamroll everyone heading into the World Cup. And if, if anyone can stop them, fair play. But I don't see anyone being able to stop them, especially in this patch of football that's coming up where it's just game after game, momentum after momentum. They're, they're just going to be like that un, unstoppable force. And, and I think they rightfully deserve to be the number one team on the power rankings for Tad's top five. Jake, I mean, I'll take my flowers now. If you want to congratulate me, if you, if you want to clap, if you want to give a standing ovation, I'm, I'm welcome to all of that. What, what were your thoughts on my top five? Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, I think Arsenal yes! can feel yes! a little bit, li- little bit harshly done by. <laughs> um, I think, the, I think and... the fixture list can feel harshly done by. Well, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. But no, I think it's fair. I think that all five teams are a really good place. The only thing I'd say is, can you put a team in Tad's top five if they've if they've got a different manager now to the one they last had when they played? Oh, That'd be my question. Oh my word! Oh, that would be my word. only. They my earned only, the. My they own, earned this point. <laughs> Look, they earned it. The points are on the board. The points don't disappear. Yeah, the I think this context don't needs disappear. to be had. There's going to be a different Brighton team. It's, uh, yeah, that would be my only comment. But uh, no, good, some, some good comments and uh, yeah, good, a good top five. Look, the, there's pressure that continues to grow on me as I do more of these top fives because, you know, every time I keep nailing it, it, it adds more pressure to the next one. Um, I, I'm having none of that Brighton pushback. Um, I, I know, I know you're a bit upset at how well they've started the season. Maybe you were hoping Newcastle would have started the season the way Brighton have. Um, but I don't think it's fair for you to take it out on Brighton. Um, and I think, you know what? I think with how holistic the club is at Brighton, you can sub in a manager and they're still going to do as well as... These are famous last words, aren't they? They're going to do as well as they did before Potter came in. I, I think it's going to be an exciting season for Brighton. And I think they deserve to be in Tad's top five. I will not put an asterisk on their number five spot. They, they, they deserve to be there. But Jake, let's move on to two teams that are hoping to deserve to be in the Premier League um, heading into next season. There were worries last season about Southampton and there were worries about Everton last season. Both teams obviously coming into this game in sort of different form. I mean, Southampton, they've had a couple of losses. Um, they had some impressive results Um in August, I know they had that 2-1 win over Chelsea. They also had that 2-1 win over Leicester. And if if you'd look back to when they beat Leicester, it was still maybe a Leicester side that we we thought was, you know, still had the bones of a really good squad. We didn't know the troubles that Leicester were going to necessarily have um, for, you know, heading into this part of the season. So I, I take that result as a good one at the time. Um, maybe now looking back, you're thinking maybe it's not as impressive, but I, I'll give it to Southampton for that one. But those two wins are kind of grouped in with a bunch of losses. They had that um, 1-0 loss to Man United, the 1-0 loss to Wolves, and then the 1-0 loss to Aston Villa. Is it promising that at least those results were all just 1-0? Or is that something that's worrying because they still end up losing the game? Um, and then obviously Everton, they haven't lost in their last five games, um, four draws. And then that one win to, to end, you know, just before the international break, what kind of game can we expect in this one? For me personally, whenever I see an Everton game, the first thing I look at is to see, is it at Goodison Park? If it is, it's probably one that I'll be okay to watch if it's away from from Goodison Park I struggle to watch Everton when they play away from Goodison Park um oh, Jake I'm, I'm gonna go and and just say straight away I've got a 1-1 draw here I can't see anything other than that or or are you willing to convince me to change that score um uh, no I don't, I don't think I am I think <laughs> I'm gonna go for a 1-0 draw I think Everton have impressed me in recent weeks what they played well against Liverpool um Perhaps maybe should have even won the game. They played really well in that one. Did well against West Ham as well. Um, they're not they're not quite um, completely convincing, but considering how they how they were at the end of last season, considering everybody didn't really think 
Frank Lampard was a good appointment because they're in the players they've lost. I think they started the season relatively well and they were, it was good to see them get that win because I think they, they deserved a win um, in a couple of the games previously. So, yeah, it's really good to see them get that win. Um, and, yeah, I think they'll have a bit of confidence and I think it's a good time to play Southampton. I feel like we're in the, the last the last run of Ralph Hasenhut, so whether that be in the next couple of months, whether it be at the break of the World Cup or at the end of the season, I feel like this is going to be the last, last season we see Ralph Hasenhut at Southampton. I think it's slowly coming to an end. They just look a little bit bereft of, of much quality. James Will Prowse hasn't quite been at it this season. Up front, they're lacking a little bit. Che Adams has done okay, but you know he's still Che Adams. He's not going to get you 15, 20 goals a season. He's he's still quite limited. We saw that with his miss against Wolves. It was a, quite an incredible miss. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's difficult to get a read on Southampton. I haven't seen enough of them really to give them give them fair airing here. But I just, it just feels like things are quite stale there and and, and as, as much as Everton are a bit of a basket case and, and are a little bit in crisis they're, they're in a good they're in a good place under Lampard and I'd uh, expect them to to have a good um, have a good performance this weekend and a good end to the season so yeah I'll, I'll tip Everton um, I'll tip Everton actually I'll go against one or I'll go, I'll go 2-1 to Everton a 2-1 win to Everton that will be back-to-back wins for Frank Lampard's army there at Everton and uh, uh, that would definitely get the pressure off of his back um, and it will then probably be heaped onto a manager that seems to be getting a lot of pressure I think it's a bit premature but you know that that's football I guess um, West Ham versus Wolverhampton now David Moyes I saw in the papers over the last couple of days there's there's been a lot written about him and you know the the pressures that are going to be on him if they don't get a result against Wolves at home, uh, Jake, this this is probably a team you don't want to be playing if you have to go and win, because Wolves seem to be very very stingy with with you know with with giving away uh, goals. Certainly last season, this season maybe not so much. It's been more them struggling to score goals, but equally, West Ham haven't been able to get a lot of goals so far this season. They've only scored three goals in their seven games. Um, so far this season and they find themselves currently in the relegation zone two points below Wolves who they play what's going on at West Ham is is it a case you mentioned with Liverpool maybe mental fatigue for some of the Liverpool players is that a similar situation for West Ham a team that went deep into Europe and was looking to go deep in the Premier League to get into you know the Champions League and then obviously had to split their priorities a bit and the season kind of didn't end, end as well as maybe they were hoping. There was a lot of promise heading towards the end of the season. And then when they looked back at the season, I, I thought it was a very good season, but some of the fans maybe thought this could have been an opportunity. Do you think maybe the players then thought that and, and have kind of brought that into this season where they, they're, they're feeling a bit a, a, a bit tired and, and exhausted mentally? Um, we mentioned Everton got the win last time out. That was against West Ham, and, and, and I know West Ham fans were bitterly disappointed not to beat Everton in that game at Goodison Park. But they come up against the Wolf side, who I felt so bad for them when you know they finally get a striker in. The striker gets injured. They're now trying to get the likes of you know who can we get on a free transfer. There is one thing that's really promising for me with Wolves, and that's their midfield trio. I, I'm they're one of my favourite midfield trios in the Premier League at the moment. And do you think 
that's going to be an issue for West Ham or are West Ham sort of going to navigate the game away from that midfield battle and, and try and get a victory here? As I said, at home, a lot of pressure on Moyes. All eyes are probably going to be on this game to see what Moyes can deliver here. What are you expecting from West Ham versus Wolves? I think it's a big game for both teams. Neither team have quite had the the run of results that they, they would have expected. Um, I think with West Ham, they recruited. It, it looks like good recruitment on the face of it, but it just looks a little bit mashed together, sort of signing players of, of good calibre without any sort of thought of how you're going to get them all in the team. Um, Moyes still has his favourite. So I think things have just grown a bit tired at West Ham with, with Moyes. They've come so close in a couple of seasons and it's maybe they just feel like it's gone as far as it can. Um, and yeah, he's another one that I, I kind of have short-term fears for. But um, yeah, Wolves midfield is great. Um, that's going to be a, a, an interesting battle of the weekend with Declan Rice and Suchek as well. Um, I think I'm going to go one all on this one and sit on the fence. Um, yeah, it's still, I think both teams have got potential to be challenging in the top eight, but I've yet to sit from either team consistently, so I'll, I'll sit on the fence. Yeah, that's a fair result. Look, I, I would have gone 1-1 as well, but I'm, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Wolves win. And I say that very, very cautiously. Um, I just think Wolves' midfield is going to take control of this game and they're going to fashion enough chances that the Wolves strikers will get at least one in. If it doesn't come from the strikers, we know the likes of um, Neves can take it from 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 midfield and take those shots from outside the box but yeah I, I think there's a lot of work still to be done at West Ham to get maybe the 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 mental side of things right again and it, as I said I, I feel sorry for Moyes because I think it's a bit harsh to to start questioning him especially with what he did last season at least give him a chance to dig himself out of this um, but yeah I just think the pressure might be too much in this game if they don't start hot I can see the crowd starting to get a bit agitated and that might be their downfall. So I've gone for Wolves sort of stealing a 1-0 a, a victory there and, and piling on the pressure for David Moyes. But let, let's move on to the Manchester derby. I mentioned, you know, the London derby, the North London derby, more specifically with Arsenal and Spurs baby being the game of the weekend. Well, up north, there are certain fans that will be saying Man City versus Man United is going to be the game of the weekend. Uh, Man City side, who top, Tad's top five, uh, I think they're sort of just going to steamroll Man United in this game. But Man United showed in that Arsenal game, they've got a game plan for these big games. They're going to look to sit back and try and get them on the counter-attack. They're going to have the likes of, you know, the Bruno Fernandes and the Eriksons, who are ball players who can pick a pass out and then just put all the fast players ahead of them and, and try and get, City on the on the break. We've seen Newcastle, for example, give City a lot of trouble on the counter-attack. But my issue for United is I don't think they can keep Man City out. I don't see how they keep, you know, the likes of Haaland out. Kevin De Bruyne is starting to play really, really well and, and starting to link up well with Haaland. I'm going to go with a 3-1 Man City win. Um, I can see Man United getting that goal on the counter-attack, but I, I just see Man City being able to steamroll Man United. And I don't think Man United's defence can hold up long enough to be able to give them a chance in this game. Yeah, I've, I've, 
I've done a little bit of looking into to Manchester United stats for, since the start of the season, and they they do make for a little bit of worrying reading. But they're, I think they've been fine, but they're they're, they're roughly giving up sort of the same quality of chances they're creating, uh, which is sort of the sort of, sort of the mark of of an upper mid table team. Um, it's yeah, it's not still not great. There's still a lot for Ten Hag to work on. I think he'll know that, and I think the fans will know it. They've been a little bit lucky in some of the real results they've got but they've got the results and that does bring confidence and uh, they have had some good results against Man City down the year so it'll be interesting but I think I agree I think that Manchester's, Manchester City were too much they they just look at it like a complete and utter dominant team at the moment I just, with Haaland scoring the goals De Bruyne are playing so well they're just going to have too much for Manchester United um, I think it's going to be quite comfortable I wouldn't say it's going to be uh, it's not going to be one of the more embarrassing Derby games. I think that Manchester United will offer a threat, but I just think City are too good at the moment. I'll say 2 0 to City. Yeah, 2 0 to Manchester City there. They'll get the clean sheet and sort of just roll on moving forward. Um, let's move forward with our fixtures. It's Leeds United versus Aston Villa. Leeds have been interesting this season. We've seen some plucky performances from them, and they sit just outside the top half of the Premier League, but that's with them having a game in hand and which would definitely propel them into you know contention for those European spots um, they come up against a Aston Villa side who they've been shaky this season for me they got that big win that 1-0 win against Southampton last time out um, they had the 1-1 draw with Man City and obviously VAR controversy in that game as well is the pressure slightly off of Steven Gerrard? It, you know, is this a must-win game for him? It's away from home against a Leeds side, as I said, that has shown some fight this season. What are you expecting from Leeds versus Aston Villa? Um, I completely forgot how what I think about Leeds because it's been so long since we've seen them. Um, they've obviously started the season quite well. Um, they've recovered from losing their two best players. Um. I think that the two midfielders they brought um, look really, really good. Adams and Rocker, they look good. Um, I think Sinistiera looks like a really exciting player. I'm expecting more of him. You know, so a lot more to learn about him in the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see a little bit more leads. I think it'll be a good game to watch on Sunday. Um, Aston Villa, I think that the game uh, against... Was it Southampton they beat? It was, was, it, was it Southampton? Yeah, 1-0 Southampton. Yeah, Southampton, yeah. It was one of the worst games... <laughs> I've watched. I can barely remember it, which is why I had to ask who, who they played because it was so unmemorable. It's sort of like it sort of took me back to Newcastle under sort of uh, maybe a little bit unfair because I think Stephen Gerrard's a lot better than Steve Bruce, but sort of reminded me of Steve Bruce that you'd sit for a ninety minutes. There was really nothing there to get excited about. You you got a win, but you know it felt like nothing had really happened. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just empty feeling watching that game and I can't imagine Villa fans are too enthused by the style or, or sort of how it's going there despite the win so yeah I think Leeds Leeds just look like a more energetic better coach team at the moment so yeah I think they'll win the game I'm gonna go I'll go 2-1 um, but yeah I think I think Leeds will be the winners yeah look um, I've mirrored you there because I I mean I've, I've matched you there because I've, I've got the same score written down um, leads 2-1 when at home I, I think they, they're going to be able to to be more energetic than that Aston Villa side and, and sort of get the win. Oh, I'm worried about Aston Villa at the moment um, we'll see though 
later on in the season what they can do. But yeah, I, I think I don't think there's pressure on Gerard yet. But with how ambitious their owners are, I don't think they'll be happy with how they've started so far this season. And then we'll see sort of if this result means anything. I don't think it's you know sort of get rid of him if he doesn't win this game. But I do think it's just one extra log onto the fire um let's move on to the last game of our game week it's Leicester versus Nottingham Forest now this game is probably being built a lot closer than what Leicester would have hoped for at the start of the season um Leicester are in 20th place they are last on the Premier League at the moment no wins one draw six losses they come up against a Nottingham Forest side who you know the jokes have been made with the amount of players that they've signed uh, this transfer window. But the transfer window is over now. Now it's time to actually get those players to gel and and, and help the team stay up. Um, they needed to do a lot, considering how, mo- how many players, you know, they had to lose in the offseason. But that, that fiasco is at least now out of the way and Steve Cooper can kind of get down and, 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 and focus on getting results on the board for them. Um, they've got one win. They've got one draw. They've lost five games. Where do you see this game sort of being won and lost? I'm worried about Leicester in transition defense against this Nottingham Forest side with their young, energetic players. Um, I'm, I'm Especially the pockets that the likes of Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson are going to be picking up. I'm worried that Leicester don't have the legs to cover those pockets of space and that's going to cause a lot of problems for Leicester. The only thing for me with Nottingham Forest is I don't know if they're lethal enough up front yet. Um, So I can see them getting a lot of chances but not necessarily putting a lot of them away. For that, I'm going to give a 1-0 Nottingham Forest win although I do think this game should deserve a lot more goals than just a single um, goal in this one. How how do you see the game playing out? Yeah, both teams look like they're struggling at the back. Both teams have got some exciting players going forward. Um, should be a really good one to watch for the neutral. Um, I think Danny Ward is just the best goalkeeper to watch in the league at the moment. Uh, not for good reasons <laughs> on his part, but <laughs> I just love watching him because he just yeah. He's, He's not a Premier League goalkeeper, and it's just yeah, it's just interesting to see uh, a player like him him play regularly. Um, but I'm going to take him for the clean sheet. I'm going to go a little bit rogue. I think that he's. I think Leicester are going to win this game. I, I think. I think they're going to. They've got just got too much talent not to beat Nottingham Forest. Um, I think they play well against Tottenham, uh, despite the, despite the result. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go Leicester. I think I'm going to go 2-0 Leicester. And I think it's going to be, going to buy Brendan Rodgers a little bit more time, which I think he needs. So yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a Leicester win. Interesting stuff. And the score for that one? 2-0. 2 nil. Oh yeah, you did say the clean sheet, the infamous clean sheet uh, for Leicester. Um, well, the people that drafted the two Leicester goalkeepers in their fantasy and went with that strategy will be absolutely buzzing with your prediction there. I, I think whoever came up with that strategy needs to be found and they need to answer for all of their their trouble that they've caused this season, even introducing that as a tactic. But Jake, we started this, the, the podcast with predictions that were 
against each other. We've ended the podcast with predictions that were against each other. We'll see how it pans out. At least we agreed on one thing that my top five was perfect again, uh, <laughs> as usual. But Jake, do you want to plug, put over or promote anything before we wrap up? So yeah, so you can get my stuff on EPL Index. I've got stuff going up on there. Uh, I'm also involved in another website uh, on it's called YI Scout. They do Newcastle stuff. Uh, we've recently brought out a piece on the official Newcastle website. There you go. That's quite cool. So you can check that out. It's about Miggy Almiron. Uh, it's on the club website. Um, I yeah helped produce the piece. So yeah, don't get the name credit, but I did help edit the piece and uh, played a small role in it. So go and check that out, and there'll be more stuff to come on the Newcastle website from the three of us. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye on that. On that. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Yeah, definitely, guys. Go and um keep an eye on everything Jake is working on, and obviously at Jake Jackman with two ends on Twitter. I'm sure you'll find all of the work that he's doing will be posted on there. Uh, from my end, guys, go and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match performances, post-match reviews, um, all of the stuff, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Uh, of course, there's the daily podcast, the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Um, finally, also go check out the EPL roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do previewings and reviewings of the happenings around the EPL. Uh, Jake Jackman is on there, you, you, you know, sometimes as a guest. Sometimes he hosts it as well. He's done some really good work there. Um, guys, also do go check out our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25. That will give you 25% off of your router. Or if you go with the software VPN option, that one downloads straight onto your um, devices. Um, it's a virtual private network. That's a technology that encrypts, encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your location. You can avoid geoblocks, government-imposed restrictions, and all of that nonsense. Um, and then finally, go and check out EPL Index Shop. You can find that on Etsy. And if you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off for that one. Uh, guys, go and follow all of the social media handles. Um, go follow EPL Index at EPL Index on Twitter. Go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Um, subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. That you know, go give us five stars. Write some positive comments. That stuff really goes a long way. I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at tad predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141 for our intro music. Um, happy birthday to Obi Semenya as well. It's his birthday today. Um, our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Jake Jackman. He's at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational! Son had a goal and scored a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. That is what... Martinelli gorgeous. Still got to go. Oh, he's done it again. And City have won the Premier League. Sports Social Podcast Network.